0: just want to say a few things about Jason, because maybe some of you don't know Jason, but uh, Jason actually grew up right here in Brooklyn. This was Brooklyn's church when he was a kid, and I can still remember uh, Jason. I, was, I tell him this all the time. I can remember him running up down the stairs with a big smile on his face, chasing some of you guys around that spent, are here today. And as, and uh, I want you to ask uh, Jason's parents to stand up, too. This is Laura and Richard Humphreys. Laura is also a Brooklynite right here. In Brooklyn, and it's so nice to see both of you. In fact, they were married here, right here in Brooklyn, by Ron, Pastor Ron Spear. I'll never forget that. That was a very special occasion. So, nice seeing you guys both again. Thanks so much. So
1: very to be here,
0: too. That's right. Right here. Thank you. Yeah, you think about a lot of us, you know, if it wasn't for the outreach of the church, many of us, think how many of us wouldn't be here? I wouldn't be here. So, outreach is super important, and am I happy? There was outreach for me. I can't even tell you. So, uh, think about it. Jason's a pastor in Michigan. Uh, he was currently a speaker in a Michigan camp meeting. Uh, you can see many of his sermons on YouTube. Uh, he's a great speaker. He's a good guy and he has a heart for spreading the gospel. Amen. And, uh, he is willing to leave his comforts of America and go live in a very, um, I guess a very jungly type of place, really. And uh, and it's not even just Jason. It's Jason, his wife, his family. It's a huge sacrifice. And uh, it's even a sacrifice for Laura and for Richard because they're going to move far away. And uh, But he's doing it because he has such a strong love for mission, a strong love for Jesus Christ. He has a strong love for the three angels' message. And he wants to get this out. He wants to help get this message spread so Jesus can come and we can all go home. Amen? Amen. So just... You know, keep that in mind, okay? And um, at this time, we're we'll going to have Christian come up and have our scripture reading. Thanks, Christian.
2: Today's scripture comes from Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then saith, saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen.
0: Just give us one moment. We're going to get two new batteries for uh his uh never fails. There's always something like this happens. One second.
3: Well, good morning and happy Sabbath. It's um, wonderful to be back here at the Brooklyn Church, and I have to be honest, this morning as I was driving to church, a lot of emotions was swirling through my my mind, and just coming back to a childhood place where lots of fond memories were here. um, It's it's just good to be back with you all, and uh, you know... You can stand in front of a bunch of strangers, and it's not hard to speak, but when you're standing in front of a bunch of friends, all of a sudden you get nervous for some reason. Um, But it is a blessing to be here, and I want to thank all of you. If I could give you a big hug, I would do it, but I can't. Uh, Maybe afterwards I'll be able to get to each one of you. He's, he's, You're hugged. Consider yourself hugged. Um, But I want to thank you all for taking time out of your busy schedules and your typical Sabbath routine to come here to Brooklyn Church and uh, and bless my family by your presence. It's it's good to have you here. Um, 1985, I believe it was, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, was the year my mother uh, joined the Seventh Day Adventist Church here in Brooklyn um, as a result of Penny's inviting her uh, to come to the prophecy seminar. Two of them came. They got baptized together here, and lots of water has gone has gone under the bridge since then. Uh, but I stand before you this morning um, as a minister in the Seventh-day Adventist Church and soon to be a missionary because of an invitation that was given uh, and also because of this church's willingness to hold a public evangelistic series, to be unashamed about the gospel that God has given to us and to sh- let that light shine in the community. One of the greatest privileges I had in ministry uh, was about five years ago at the Michigan Conference uh, camp meeting, uh, they uh, they had chosen me to be one of the candidates to be ordained. Uh, and it was a wonderful privilege to stand up in front of the group there that afternoon and to see Pastor Igor Patansky there for my ordination service. Uh, that man chaired the board meeting that made the decision to hold a Bible prophecy seminar that transformed my family's life and led to where I'm at right now. Uh, so this little church, you, you know, maybe you might feel like from time to time, that you're not making much of an impact, but just know you've made a huge impact in my family's life and in my personal life. So I want to thank you all for doing that. Continue to let your light shine that Jesus may hasten his coming to take us home. I have, my my children have something they're going to give to you. Um, this is a, a little brochure about our project that we're going to be working with. Um, this morning I'm going to just share with you a little bit about missions from the Word of God and um, just some things that you might find interesting. And then after the church service, I'm going to share with you pictures and tell you a little bit more specifically about what we're going to be doing in Papua New Guinea. But this is a little brochure that will kind of explain some of that for you, and I'm going to let my kids pass that out to you. We have three kids, as you'll see them going around. My oldest is Evangeline. Uh, She's seven years old. We had her just at the end of our time doing prophecy seminars with Amazing Facts, transitioned into pastoral work into Michigan, and then we had Christian... Uh, He's five years old, and now we have Verity, and our cup runneth over. (laughs) We thought we had everything under control with two kids, and then the third one came along, and those of you that have three kids know what we're talking about. Uh, So we're very thankful for our family, my beautiful wife, Midori, who you heard sing. Uh, We've been married for 13 years now and have enjoyed our time in ministry together. Well, I want to share with you a little bit from the Word of God, and I hope that you will be blessed by uh, what we're going to take a look at this morning. But before we do that, I always like to start with a brief word of prayer. So I'm going to invite you where you are at to bow your heads, and we'll start with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you as a church family in this hour of family worship. We thank you, Father, for setting this day aside for us to gather and worship you. And Father, what a rich experience it is for us to all come back together from various places, Lots of memories here in the Brooklyn Church. We're thankful for the light that is shining from this community of faith. Father, this morning, as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to grace us with his presence, to speak to our hearts the message that you have for us to receive. Lord, I pray that as we leave this morning, our hearts will be changed. Because of the time that we spent together with you here. We thank you, Father, for we ask it in the merciful and loving name of Jesus. Amen. I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was just about to get into an airport. I was standing in a hot, uh, humid country. It was one of my first times leaving the United States other than going to live in England with my uh, parents. I had just spent two weeks of my life helping out in a Bible prophecy seminar that had radically transformed my life. And as I was standing to enter into the airport, there were people all around me. There were poor people that were standing on the outside of the airport, hanging onto the chain link fence, watching the rich Americans get on the airplane to go back to the land of milk and honey. And as I stood there getting ready to go into the airport, lots of things were going through my mind. As I mentioned, we had just helped out with a prophecy seminar. It was in the country of the Philippines. Uh, during my time there, I helped with the kids' meetings, and I saw so many things that just impacted my life in a tremendous way. I was 18 years old. I'd just given my heart to the Lord personally. Of course, I was raised in the Adventist church, but I had to make my own way spiritually, and just gave my heart to the Lord. Just got baptized. It was fresh experience. I had seen things that transformed my life. I had seen poverty like I'd never seen it before. I, had seen, I saw people who were happy with very little. I saw people who were giving even though they didn't have much to give. But yeah. what impacted my life the most was each evening as I stood in front of the big tent where the prophecy seminars were being held... I would watch truckloads of people come to that seminar each night, packed in the back of these sugarcane trucks, standing up. They would bust them in from the surrounding villages to come to this tent and listen to an American speak as they sat on hard bamboo benches listening to the three angels' messages. Aren't you thankful for your comfortable cues this morning? <laughs> And they would come night after night after night. These buses, these these sugarcane trucks would just come and park in front of the tent. These people would tumble out, and I would stand there each evening. And I would watch these people come and file into the tent and listen to the Word of God be presented. And at the end of that series of meetings, I saw people give their hearts to the Lord and were baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And here I stand. I'm getting ready to come back to America that have all of this rich experience that have just happened in the last two weeks of my life. And as I said, this was, new, this was a new experience for me because I'd just given my heart to the Lord. And as I stood there getting ready to go back home, I remember it very vividly. In my mind flashed a Bible passage, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You know the passage well. And as I stood there with that rich experience all behind me and these people all around me, it was at that point that I decided that if the gospel has to go to the world before Jesus comes back, then I want to do what I can to get the gospel to the world to hasten the coming of Jesus. Amen. And that was the beginning of my call into ministry that has, that, that has compelled me to do what I am doing and what I am about to do. Now, I've learned a lot since that uh, day 21 years ago when I stood in the country of the Philippines getting ready to come back here to the States, and I want to share with you a few of those things this morning. But to start this off, go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37, our scripture reading this morning. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. This passage has always been an encouragement to me both as an evangelist and a pastor, and now getting ready to become a missionary. Uh, and I hope it's an encouragement to you as well. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, the Bible says this, Then saith he unto his disciples, Jesus is talking to his disciples, we are all disciples of Christ, so he's speaking to us. He says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, The harvest truly is what? Somebody ought to say amen to that. Amen. The harvest truly is Plenteous. Now, those of us living here in America have a hard time seeing that. But we don't look by sight, we look by faith. Amen? We have it on the authority of God's word, a promise from the lips of our Messiah himself, the harvest is plenteous. Whether I can see it or not, it is still a reality. Would you say amen to that? Right? So the harvest is plenteous. Oftentimes, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, at least here in North America, we oftentimes blame the community that they don't want to hear what we have to say. We do proxy seminars, we hand out brochures, we do door knocking, nobody wants to hear what we have to say. But that's not what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the what? The workers or the laborers are few. So there's both a blessing and there's also a challenge In this Bible passage. But if you forget everything I said this morning, don't forget this. In the Bible passage, where is the problem? Is the problem with the harvest or is the problem with the workers? Workers. We oftentimes blame the harvest that it's the harvest's fault that they don't want to receive what we have. But Jesus tells us that the problem is that there's not enough workers. In about an hour that we spend together here today in this divine worship service, about 6,300 people will die in the world. Most of them will go to Christless graves. Many of them will have never even heard the name of Jesus. The harvest is rotting on the vine because of a lack of workers, If you forget everything I said this morning, don't forget that. Okay? The harvest is plenteous, but Jesus says the laborers are few. There are three billion people in the world who have never heard the name of Jesus even uttered. Three billion people who have never even heard the name of Jesus. The gospel has to go to the world. Before Jesus will come back to take us home. About eight years ago, I was sitting in my living room and a good friend of mine came to visit. He is currently a missionary in Thailand right now. We've done prophecy seminars together, Bible work together. we had done a lot of ministry together and he was getting ready to transition into another part of ministry. And so he came to visit Midori and I and kind of share with him, share with us this call that he was receiving to go to Thailand. And it was good. You know, we sat there chit-chatting. And, you know, I grew up with the mission stories just like you guys did. You know, all of the great singer in the sand and all that kind of stuff. I, I, we grew up, I grew up reading those stories. That was the bread and butter of, of our reading experience when we were children, when I was a child. And so missions was something that I was familiar with. But when Kyle came to my house and talked with me about his call into missions, he opened up his laptop and he showed me a three-minute video that completely and radically transformed my life. And this morning, I want to try to illustrate that for you to help you, by God's grace, understand the drastic need in the world for workers to gather in the harvest. Desire of Ages, page 195, says this, Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a... Missionary. How many are missionaries? Every true disciple of Christ is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. Do you know how many Adventists there are in North America? 1.2 million Seventh day Adventists in North America. According to the spirit of prophecy, they are all what? How are you doing? Right? But yet the cry goes out in North America, we need more workers, we need more workers, we need more pastors, we need more Bible workers. Hang on a second, Spirit of Prophecy tells us that all of us are missionaries and workers for Christ. Would you say amen? Amen. Actually, what we need is, as Americans, as Adventists in North America, is we need to leave America and go to other places. Amen. And amen's a little bit more quiet on that one, isn't it? (laughs) The field is ready. There are people in the world today who don't look like you, who don't dress like you, who don't eat like you, who don't talk like you, they don't live like you, they don't have houses like you, but they want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they're waiting. Currently, right now, in northern Africa... There are Muslims who are having visions and dreams about a man dressed in white. Who is telling them that he, they need to go to the Christians to learn the truth. So You want to say amen to that? Amen. But where are the missionaries? To help connect the dots for these people who are awake and open to spiritual things. Their antennas are up. They want to know more about the gospel of Jesus Christ But where are the workers to help connect them with Jesus and the truths of his word? There are people all over the world that are hungering and thirsting for what we take for granted here in North America. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take you on a little journey uh, throughout the world. I'm going to do a little illustration here that will hopefully help you understand this a little bit better. Now, whenever you go on a trip, you always take with you your suitcase. And as Americans, we have big suitcases, don't we? Because we have lots of stuff, and somewhere in here, where are my papers? Ah, Christian's got them. You gonna bring my papers up here, son? Thank Whoopsie! Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Just make sure we got all of our numbers in order here. There we go. Thank you, Christian. Appreciate you doing that. All right, I'm gonna take you on a quick trip around the world. Anybody know how many people there are in the world today? There's about 7.65 billion people in the world. Anybody have any concept of what that looks like? Looks like the world, right? How, 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 do, you, how do you even grasp the concept of a billion people? Well, I'm going to try to illustrate this for you the best way that I can, but to do this, I need 15 volunteers. All right, we've got one brave volunteer. Two, come on, 15 volunteers. Come on up here to the front. Don't look to the person next to you. Come on up here, 15 volunteers. Please, 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 come, come, come. All right. Just make yourselves a nice long line here. All right. Is that 15 people? I think we need a few more. All right, come on. 15 15 brave volunteers. I know it's going to be a long line, but that's okay. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I need five more people. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Very good. All right. Go ahead and line yourselves up here. Oh, sorry, Ron. Did That's okay. That's okay. I you you snuck up in there behind my back, brother? That's all right. Okay. 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15. Now, you guys look like you don't love each other. Can you get a little closer? <laughs> all right. So, if you do the math, each one of these people represent a half a billion people, okay? So, 500 million people. So, you have 7.5 billion people. This is the world. Now, on my your left one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to have you guys split right here. Seven, sorry. I'm going to have you guys split right here. Do a middle. Right, go ahead, back back A little bit more. A little bit. Okay, there we go. So, whoops, sorry, Verity. We have the reached over here. We have the unreached over here. Who are these people? The reached. The reached and who are these? All right. So the reached people are people who have access to the gospel. They have access to the what? There are churches all over the place. There are Bibles all over their place. They have Christian co-workers. They have access to the gospel. They can turn on their TV. They can listen to preachers preach. They can turn on the radio. They can listen to uh, Christian radio programs. That's the reached for you, okay? So they have access to the word of God if they want it. The unreached would be the direct opposite of that, right? So they live in parts of the world where they don't have access to the gospel. They can't go down to the local bookstore and pick up a Bible. They can't walk into a Christian store and uh, or a Christian church And meet a Christian. They can't turn on the radio and listen to Christian radio stations or TV or anything like that. So they don't have access to the gospel. Therefore, they need somebody to come and tell them the what? The what? The gospel. gospel. That's correct. Okay, so now each one of these people are going to represent different groups uh, of the world that uh, I hope you will appreciate once I explain it to you. So the person down here on the very end, we're going to call them an active Christian. Who are they? They are active Christians, and as active Christians, we are going to give them a Bible. Can I have a Bible over there? You got one? All right, my, my wife's got one. She's one step ahead of me. We're going to give them a Bible because active Christians do what? They, the they read their Bible. They memorize their Bible. They pray. That's right. The, the active Christian is praying for the unreached part of the world that God would send workers to go and reach the unreached for Jesus. Now, all of us should be active Christians. Amen? Amen. But the reality of it is, that's not the case, right? Now, she represents 500 million active Christians. How many Adventists are there? About 21 million. Are we all active Christians, yes or no? No, we got some work to do, don't we? Right? So there's a lot of evangelical, Sunday-keeping, uh, pastor, Sunday-keeping people that are over there that are going to the different parts of the world, sharing the gospel with people. Active Christians is the only place where you can get dependable, reliable missionaries from because they're in the Word of God. Okay, so that's the active Christians. Then we have the nominal Christians here. We have that, what are they called? Nominal. They are called nominal Christians. They are what, what the Bible refers to as lukewarm or Laodicea, right? So they're lukewarm Christians. We're going to give them name tags because they're Christians only in name. So if you ask them, are you a Christian? They'd say, sure, I'm a Christian. They may not go to church every weekend. They might go to church every weekend. They might not. Sometimes, some of them go to church just on a holiday or something like that. But they would call themselves Christians if you met them on the road. We're also going to give them lights. Do we have lights for them? We have lights for them, and I'll help you with that. We have a light here for them because they have the Word of God. And what is the Word of God? Light. Let's turn it on. Let's turn it on, and then you can give it to her. Okay. There we go. Thank you very much. give it to this lady right here There we go, and then you can give this one to her as well. Thank you, thank you okay it's a family a family affair here okay so their lights are on, but i 'm going to ask them to turn them off. Can you turn your lights off right because they're nominal Christians right and they 're not letting their light shine right you know they sang that song this little light of mine i 'm going to let it shine but that 's not what they 're actually doing so they, they they're nominal Christians they've turned their lights off they're Christians only. In name—that's the nominal Christians. Now, here's something you might find interesting: seventy percent of our evangelism funds. How much? Seventy percent of our money that we spend on evangelism is on that group of people right there. All right? We haven't even talked about these folks over here. Okay, this group—seventy percent of our evangelism funds spent on this group of people to try to move them from nominal Christians to active, active Christians. Okay. This is largely where we are at in our evangelism here in North America, okay? That's, I mean, we need to we need to reach the nominal Christians. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we might want to look at the distribution of funds a little bit differently. Okay, then we have a third group of people. Whoop, Nope, that's not the one. We have a third group of people which are non-Christians. Okay, there's yours, and you are also a non-Christian. And I'm sorry, but not in reality, but just for this morning. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, they are non-Christians. That's the third group of people. We're going to give them uh, some sunglasses because they are spiritually blind. Do <laughs> you have another pair of sunglasses or not? You might get out of wearing a pair of sunglasses. Oh, you didn't get out of it, my friend. Sorry about that. Here you go. There's your sunglasses. They are spiritually blind. We're also going to give them cell phones. I think Verity had some cell phones for us here. Do you have cell phones? Because they're distracted, right? Have you seen those people? Everywhere they go, they're just constantly distracted by uh, the world. So these are the non Christians. They probably have, they probably have um, Christian friends. They may even have some Christian co workers. They may have even been at one point raised in the church or something like that, but they have become non Christians for various reasons because of the distractions of the world, and now they are spiritually blind. You guys are great. Can you travel with me? <laughs> You guys just do a good job. I appreciate that. Okay, so this is the reached part of the world. We're going to come back to them in just a few moments here. Now we're going to talk about the unreached part of the world. And the first group of people we have in that part of the world are Hindus. What are they? Yeah. Hindus. There are approximately one billion Hindus in the world. And um, just if you don't know, oh, you're really good at that, man. You didn't know you're going to leave out of here with a red dot this morning, did you? Yeah. You have to leave with it, though. Okay. No, 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 don't do that. It'll fall off if you do that. Okay. So the, the, the dot represents the third eye. Now, you can ask a Hindu what, that, what that's all about, but that's what the dot is. It's a third eye. About one million Hindus in the world. They live in uh, India and in Nepal. They believe in millions of gods. They worship idols. So when a missionary comes along and wants to witness to the Hindu and he opens up his Bible and he shares with him the gospel that Jesus is his Savior, the Hindu just says, great, I'll add him to my list of gods. Do you have a problem with that? Yeah, we have a problem with that, right? Because it's God, Jesus is not just one of the list of gods, he is the only God, amen? So there's challenges when you try to reach the Hindu who thinks there's all kinds of gods. I'll just add them to the list. Do we need missionaries to the Hindus, yes or no? Absolutely. The next group of people we have are Muslims. Who are they? About one-fifth of the world will call themselves Muslim. 1.6 billion people in the world today are of Muslim descent. And contrary to what the media tells you, most of them are not what you see on the television. They recite every day, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad as his prophet. I've gone to the country of, um, um, I've gone to, where is it now? North of Singapore, Malaysia, that's it. I went to Malaysia And when you get going around the world, sometimes everything gets a little confusing. But I went to Malaysia one time, and I remember hearing in the background as I was preparing my sermons, hearing them praying in their mosque, coming to their three times a day, praying to, you know, their God and what have you. So they recite this every day. Jesus, they believe, is just one of many prophets sent from Allah. They hope that their good deeds will outweigh their bad deeds when the time of judgment comes the ratio now listen to this the ratio of christians working among muslims is 1 per million muslims one christian worker for every 1 million muslim people do we need to change that ratio yes or no yes. of course we do right the gospel has to go to the world before jesus comes back you know it doesn't matter what the vatican is doing it doesn't matter what the what's going on in the world none of that stuff is going to end until the gospel goes to the world we serve such a loving god he's not going to come back unless they've all had a chance to hear the gospel amen very good you guys look great <laughs> all right good Muslims okay so the next group of people we have are Buddhists what are they Buddhists. you know what I'm going to have you come over here Richard and I'm just going to have you guys scoot down there we go and you'll see why Buddhists shave their head. I didn't want to do that to you. And so we brought along a razor. We left that home. Okay, so Buddhists, we have Buddhists. They, have, um, uh, they believe in the Eightfold Path of Enlightenment taught by Buddha that ultimately leads to darkness, does it not? Yes or no? Yeah, there's only one thing that leads to light, and that's the Word of God. Right? But they devote their whole life to Eightfold Path of Enlightenment taught by Buddha. And they think that if they live a good enough life, that they might get to this place called Nirvana, which is a state of blissful nothingness. Does that sound like some place you want to go? <laughs> Don't we have something, something so much better that's described in the Word of God? Streets of gold, a river of life, a tree of life, a mansion... Uh, You know, in the New Jerusalem, in a country home. The Bible describes heaven in such a beautiful way. Don't the Buddhists need to know about that? They deserve a right to have a missionary, don't they? Amen. Amen. We need to send missionaries to work among the Buddhists. The next group of people we have are atheists. What are they? Obviously, they don't believe in anything, so we're not going to give her anything. (laughs) They They believe in nothing. There is no God. There is nothing. You know, life is what it is. Uh, As it was said in the children's story this morning, they believe that people who believe in God are stupid. It's kind of a crutch that they have to have to keep them going throughout life. They're born into this world, they live their life, and then when they die, that's it. There's nothing else after that. Does the atheist need to know more about Jesus? Sure, we need to send missionaries to the atheists... Uh, and that's what the people in the China Inland Mission were doing. If you've ever read any stories about missionaries to the, in the, with the China Inland Mission, they, some amazing missionaries. You should listen to that sometime and read some stories about them. Here's my son down here, Christian. Hold up your sign nice and tall, buddy. He is a, uh, what we call tribal, uh, religions, or they believe in what we call animism. Now this is where we're gonna be going, and you might have to poke your head around to see what's going on over here. We're gonna give him a necklace that's got teeth on it, that came from Hobby Lobby. Maybe when we come back from Papua New Guinea, we'll have a real one. I don't know. We're going to give them a mask because they, they wear those kinds of things over there. We're also going to give them a grass skirt just because it's fun. <laughs> so tribal religions. There are about 3,000 unreached tribal religions. 3,000. Now, where we're going to Papua New Guinea, it's the most linguistically diverse place in the world. There's over 800 languages that are spoken in Papua New Guinea. Okay. Some of these languages are spoken by groups of people that, that number in the hundreds, okay? So very small groups of people that speak this language. Who's going to go and learn that language that's spoken by a couple of hundred people to try to bring the gospel to them? So you see some of the challenges there. Uh, the, the tribal animist believes in spirits, witch doctors. They live in constant fear and torment of evil spirits, uh, making their lives difficult and a challenge. But we want to go as missionaries to help them understand that they can be liberated from the bondage of Satan. Would you say amen to that? Right. So that's the tribal uh, religions down there or the animists. There are approximately 7,000 unreached people groups in the world. Some 3 billion of them, as I've mentioned, have not even heard the name of Jesus. So what do we need to help solve this problem here? We need missionaries, right? So I need 10 more volunteers. We're going to get nice and crowded up here. Ten more volunteers. Come on. Quick, quick, quick. Ten more volunteers. One, two, three, go. We have one. There we go. We have two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You'll come up with your dad. That's fine. we got ten, ten missionaries up here. Great, great, great. Okay, good. Okay, I'm going to have, if you missionaries could come and stand right here in the middle, that would be wonderful. Stand right up here in the middle. Aren't you thankful for missionaries? Amen. So we have 10 missionaries here. And as missionaries, they've been praying, Lord, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to serve? What people group do you want me to reach? And as they've been praying, the Lord has laid a burden on their heart of a specific people group that he wants them to go and reach. Now, you are the sending organization. So you send them money. You send them prayers. You send them blessings. Amen. Amen. So you're sending them all of that stuff so that they can go to the world and spread the gospel. Okay, so on the count of three, I want you to go and stand next to the people group that you feel like God is calling you to. Ready? One, two, three, go. It's like, where do I go? (laughs) All right, all right. Very good, very good. Okay, all right. This is good. Now, this is wonderful, okay? So we've we've got a pretty good dispersion here. Now, if this was reality... We would, we would probably be ready for Christ to come back very soon. Okay, this is a reality. You got most of your missionaries over here and a few over here. That would be a great dispersion. But reality is that one out of every ten workers will go to serve the unreached. One out of every ten workers will go to serve the unreached. So, sorry, you have to go over there. And you have to go over there, and now you have to stay there because I'm going to let them go as a group. You two have to come over here. And so we have our one missionary that is holding down the fort to reach the world for Jesus. Is there a problem? What did Jesus say? The harvest is what? The harvest is plenteous, but the? Mm, the laborers are few. I read a story about a young missionary man named William Borden. He died when he was 25 years old. He was to inherit his family's vast fortune. When he graduated from high school, he went on a trip around the world for his graduation gift from his parents. And as he went around the world, he realized the need to spread the gospel to the world. He sacrificed his life gave up his vast wealth to go and serve Jesus as a missionary. He was on his way to serve among the Muslim people of China. He stopped in the country of Egypt, contracted spinal meningitis, and died at the age of 25. He once said this, If you see ten men carrying a log, nine on the skinny end and one on the heavy end, and you want to help, Who are you going to help? You're going to go help the one that's carrying the heavy end, right? And this is what we have in the world distribution of workers. We have one down here on this end holding the heavy end of the log, and we've got all of these workers over here that are carrying the skinny end of the log. So anytime you hear somebody in North America say we need more workers, you need to put them in their place. Amen? Amen. Did they do a good job? All right, thank you very much. You guys can go sit down. Just put your stuff somewhere here in the front. Sorry, those of you that were sitting in the front row, you kind of got a close-up view of what was going on. All right, I want to share with you a few more things here before we uh, transition out of this, but I just wanted you to see, that's what Kyle showed me when I was sitting in that living room eight years ago. He opened up his laptop, and he showed me a video that illustrated what I just showed you here this morning. And as I sat there and watched that video hot tears began to well up in my eyes as I looked at the vast need in the world of people who are starving to hear the truth of Jesus. And I said to myself, Lord, what can I do? I'm just one person. What can I do to help solve this problem? And then just the other day, my wife and I, we were talking together as we were driving down the road, and we came to the conclusion that the Bible is full of stories of God doing miraculous things with one person. Amen? Amen. God does these miraculous things with just one person who is surrendered to his will. And so I said, Lord, I want to be that one person that's surrendered to your will. And I want to tell you, when we made this decision to get into mission work, we have experienced God in a way that we have never experienced him before. And I want that same experience for you as well. Now let me give you a few things to pray about. For every $100 that's collected in the church, less than one penny of that $100 will go to reach the unreached. Because 70% of the money is staying where? Over here. To reach the uh, the nominal Christian person to try to move them into an active Christian. Many Americans will spend more on Halloween costumes for their pets than they will in reaching the unreached. In 1930, 33%, I'm talking about the Adventist church now, okay? In 1930, 33% of the money that was given to the church went to world missions. How much? 30. 33% in 1930. In, and 15% stayed local. In 2014, this was the most recent statistic that I could find. In 2014, 3.6% of the money that was gained in the Adventist church went to foreign missions, while 26% stayed home. That is a decrease of 30%, just in case you didn't do the math. So we're giving less to world missions than we have ever given before. And I have reasons why I think that's happening. One of them is Sabbath school attendance has greatly dropped off where we collect our mission offering. In 1930, anybody know what was going on in the world in 1930? Great Depression, right? In 1930, get this, the average American Adventist was giving $6.45 to foreign missions For every $10 in tithe. So they give $10. They would give an additional $6.40 to missions. Plus supporting the local church. So they're giving during the time of the Great Depression. 2008. Again, this is the most recent statistic that I could find. The average American Adventist. For every $10 that they give in tithe. They will give an additional 36 cents to foreign missions. I don't know about you, but there's a problem there. Mm -hmm. Do we want to stay here on this earth? What's the old song say? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. But are our lives reflecting that? Are we living as though this is not our home, or are we building up our little empires and making our lives nice and comfortable so that we can live a long and prosperous life here instead of getting the gospel to the world so that we can go there. My Bible tells me that what God has prepared for you and for me is far better than anything that I could ever get here on this earth. Even if my money was limitless, God has a vast amount of joy and comfort and happiness there. But before we get there, we have a little bit of work that God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. And it's worth it. I think, personally, I think it's worth it to suffer in a little bit of discomfort right now so that we can enjoy what God has for us in the kingdom of heaven later on. In the book, Acts of the Apostles, page 109, she says this, all over the world, all over where? All over the world. Men and women are looking wistfully to heaven. Prayers and tears and inquiries go up from souls longing for light, for grace, for the Holy Spirit. Many, are on the verge of the kingdom, waiting only to be gathered in. Isn't that what Jesus says? The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There are Hindu people who are looking for something more. There are Muslim people who are looking for something more. There are tribal animists who are looking for something more. There are atheists who realize that their philosophy of thinking is bankrupt, and they are looking for more. But where are the workers? To show them that God has more for them, all over the world, she says, "There's men and women looking wistfully to the kingdom of heaven, waiting only to be gathered in." 1906, the Adventist Church, we sent out one missionary for every 138 members. One missionary for every 138 men- members in 1906. 2015, this is the Adventist Church now. For every, one, uh, we send out one missionary for every 23,700 members. I know I'm throwing a lot of statistics at you, but I'm wanting you to see that there's a problem in our church. It's not just a problem of liberalism that we see happening here in North America, but there's a problem that we are not following what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8, that we need to send workers out into the field. It's interesting, that word send is the, it's, in the Greek, it's the word eject, right? You know, you get the idea of you're pushing a button and something shoots off, right? God is saying, pray that I will eject Workers into the mission field. That's a great mental picture, isn't it? It's almost like somebody that's kind of reluctant, but the Holy Spirit comes and pow, shoots them off into the mission field right? So pray that he would eject or send workers into the field now Let me draw a little bit of a contrast here for you well, before I do that. Let me share with you this I was recently looking at some reports that David trim from the GC gave. He's the um, archives and statistic guy And I found out this how many of you have heard of the Middle East North Africa Union? Did you hear it? It's the it's the newest union in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. It's the Middle East and North Africa. Okay, some amazing things are happening there. Google it. Find out. There's just some amazing stuff happening in the Middle East North Africa Union. So I was looking at the numbers of the Middle East North Africa Union. The population of that union and the population of the NAD are roughly about the same. But here's something that's very interesting. In the NAD, we have more pastors than the Middle East North Africa Union has members similar populations. We have more pastors than they have members in the Middle East, North Africa Union. We're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. We are lukewarm by definition here in North America. Now, let me draw some contrasts here for you. How many of you have heard of the Mormons? Ever have one come and knock on your door? You know, you should talk to them sometime. Don't just shoo them away and say, oh, you they're very open, those young people. I've had them come to my seminars. I've talked to them. They're very open, uh, very friendly people. You should engage them if they ever come to your front door. Mormons, do they send out missionaries, yes or no? Yes. They sure do. There's 14.8 million Mormons in the world. Any idea how many missionaries they send out? One million. I, almost. 71,000 missionaries they send out. 71,000. Missionaries, and you can Google this. It's amazing. You can go online and you can see it on YouTube. There are young people that when they get their summons from the, mission, from the Mormon church, they don't pick where they're going to go. They're told where they're going to go, all right? And so they get a letter in the mail from the church telling them where they're going to serve as missionaries. And they will hold that letter to the side. They will invite all of their friends and family around. They'll have a cake. They'll have a big celebration. And then there'll be a moment in that party when they open up their letter. And they read to all their friends and family, I am going to serve in XYZ. And they'll erupt in joyful cheering and celebration because they have been chosen as a missionary for the church. Puts us to shame, doesn't it? 71,000 missionaries they send out because they believe in the Gospel Commission. Gary Krauss, the director of Adventist missions at the General Conference, he said this, There are more people on earth today who are not Adventist than there was a hundred years ago. I almost want to cry when I read something like that. There are more non-Adventists today than there was a hundred years ago, and we have more members today than we did a hundred years ago. There's nothing to celebrate about, brothers and sisters. There's nothing to celebrate. We need to pray that the Lord will change our hearts so that we can help advance His soon coming. So you're sitting there this morning saying, what can I do? What can I do to help solve this problem. What I'm explaining to you this morning is the reason why my family has chosen to go to the mission field. We have a vast amount of workers over here. North America doesn't need any more. Michigan Conference has tons of pastors, lots of church members. We don't need to stay there anymore. They need help over in Papua New Guinea. So we're going to pull up our roots, and we're going to go live in a place... That doesn't have electricity, that doesn't have indoor, or doesn't have, uh, you know, a well or anything like that. We'll catch our own rainwater. We'll get our own electricity from solar power. We're not gonna have a car. We're gonna live on a road. We're gonna trade our tundra in for a boat. Right? And we've chosen to do that because Jesus says, pray that you would be ejected out of your comfort zone into a place that will advance my coming. So you're sitting there this morning, what can I do? What can I do? There's this problem, this vast disparity between the reached and the unreached. What can I do? I'm one person. There's three things that you can do. Number one, Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest. What did he say? Pray Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Everybody here this morning can pray. We can all be praying and saying, Lord, please send workers. But let me tell you something this morning. The more you pray for that, the more the Lord might put the burden on your heart. So just be ready for that. That's just an FYI. Okay. So that's the first thing you can do. Pray. The second thing you can do is you can give. You can what? You can give, right? 70% of the evangelism funds is spent to move inactive people to active people, right? So we need help supporting the work in other parts of the world. Financially, it takes money to get these people over there. For Adventist Frontier Missions, the organization that we're working with, Papua New Guinea is the most expensive place to be a missionary because it's so remote. Right? There's funds that are needed to support the mission work and the advancing of the cause over there. Here's what Ellen White says. She says this in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, page 55. She says, Not all can go as missionaries to foreign lands, but all, how many? All, all can give of their means for the carrying forward of foreign missions. How many can give? All. Everybody can give. Whether it's a dime, whether it's the widow's two mites, or hundreds or tens of hundreds of dollars. Everybody can give to help support the cause of foreign missions. In fact, if every Seventh-day Adventist gave $100 a year, it's about $9 a month to foreign missions, the price you might spend on a pizza, you would quadruple the amount of money that's going to the mission field. If every Adventist gave $100 a year, you quadruple quadruple the amount of money going to foreign missions. So you can pray, you can give, or you can... How did you know? You knew I was going to go there, didn't you? You can pray, or you can give, or you can go to the three billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you want to live an exciting life, go talk to somebody who's never heard the name of Jesus before. And you will be able to unravel to them things that are just commonplace for us here. And it would transform their life in such a way that you will bring joy and happiness into their hearts like they have never experienced before. If you want to live life on the edge, serve God in some capacity in ministry. That's what I tell young people. I say, listen, if you want to live an exciting life, give your heart to the Lord and serve Him in ministry. He'll take you all over the world. You'll experience things that you've never experienced before. And you'll have a great experience doing it, bringing people into the kingdom of heaven, getting to know Jesus better. You can pray. You can give. Or you can go. The Olympic gold medalist Eric Little, if you've never read his story, go look it up sometime. It's a fantastic story. He was a terrific runner. He could run like the wind. Won many gold medals as an Olympic athlete. He gave up the pursuit of sports to serve as a missionary in China for 20 years. And he died in a prison camp. But he said this. He said, we're all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? We're either a magnet that attracts to Christ Or a magnet that's flipped around that repels people from Christ. Based on how you live your life. I want to be an attracting power, don't you? I want people to look at me and say, I want the experience that he has. I want the joy that he has in his heart. I want the peace that he has in his life. I want the God that he serves. I want that experience. I want to be an attracting power, drawing people, not to me, but drawing them To Jesus. We're all missionaries. We're either attracting or we are repelling. So here's my appeal to you this morning. This next week, I want to appeal to you to pray and say, God, where do I fit in in solving this problem of reaching the unreached for Jesus? Where do I fit? Because every one of us fit in there somehow. Whether it's over here or over there, whether it's a prayer ministry or financial ministry or going, every single one of us fit in somewhere in God's plan because he's commissioned us all to go. And so my appeal to you this morning is to pray and say, God, where do I fit in in this 7.6 billion people in the world that need to hear the gospel before you come back? Where do you want me to serve? How do you want me to serve? How do I fit in in solving this problem of taking the gospel to the world so Jesus can come come and take us home? Listen, this world is not our home. Read Revelation chapter 21 and 22. There's a beautiful description there of what God has for us. Amen? Let us live as though we are going to heaven and that this is not all that we have. Let us live for Jesus so that we can hasten His soon coming. Would you pray that for me this next week? How many of you want to say, Lord, help me to solve this problem? Amen? Let's pray for that this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be a light for you and to bring the love of Jesus to a world that is languishing in darkness. Father, our hearts hurt that there are people in the world today with all of the modern technology that we have who are living for nothing and have never even heard your name. Oh, Father, I pray that you would eject us out of our comfort zone and fit us in right where you want us to go to help solve the problem of reaching the unreached for Jesus. Father, I thank you for Each person that's here this morning, it's not by happenstance that we are all here. You brought us for a reason, Lord. And as we've sat at your feet and listened to your word, may you now place a burden upon our hearts to live for Jesus and to live as though this world is not our final resting place. Father, go before us, I pray, and draw us nearer to you, we ask. For we pray it in the merciful and loving name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen, brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. So, what we're going to do? We'll have our closing song, okay? And then we'll give like a fifteen-minute break, and then we're going to come back. and Jason is going to show us. I'm sorry. Can we get our mic on? Okay. Can you? There you go. Got the mic on. Okay. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to uh, we'll have our closing song, and then we'll have a benediction. But just keep in mind, we're going to maybe take like a 15-minute break, and then we're going to come back, and Jason's going to show us uh, pictures and images, and then we'll have another uh, short talk, and then we'll all plan to go down to picnic and fellowship together, okay? So let's, uh, our closing hymnal song, and can it be, hymn 198, 198, when you find it, shall we stand and sing together.
2: be Blessed for Adam's helpless race, Tis mercy all, immense and free. For, oh, my God. Found Just now.
3: Father in heaven, what amazing love you have shown towards us to send your Son to die for a rebellious world and to redeem us from the hand of Satan. Father, what a wonderful message you've given to us. And I pray that this next week that you would bring us across somebody's path, dear Father, that we can share this wonderful truth of Jesus' love to Father, I pray that you bless each person here. Thank you, Lord that we could worship you. May you keep us safe now as we go our different ways to show the love of Jesus wherever we may go. In his name we ask. Amen. Amen. So, if you if you want to support us monthly, that's what this would be right here. That goes directly to us. And that's different. Like no, that this is the same thing. It's the same. Thing.